0: Turn, if you will, in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 8. Jonah chapter 3 and verse 8. I want to pick up from where I left... I'll just let you get your notes there. I'm going to pick up from where I left off last week with a controversial, shall we say, statement that I made. Whilst we're waiting for those notes, please remember to pray for Israel and Syria. This is probably the most dangerous moment in recent decades for Israel. Syria has really got nothing left to lose. If they dropped a bomb on them or a chemical weapon, that would seem pretty logical for the position that Syria's got itself into. So please keep them very high on your prayer priority at the moment. I believe it's in God's mind and God's will that we do that. Everybody look up, please. I've upset some people over the years when, I, when I've said this. The statement was, what was it? Who remembers? God says it, that settles it. Remember? I don't like that statement. I don't like it because it's incomplete. I don't like it because it's very misleading. I don't like it because it can give people a very wrong confidence that is misplaced. No problem with confidence. No, Of course confidence in the scripture and in the word of God provided that that confidence has been fueled, educated and is kept balanced by the same scripture, by the same God. Now, If you turn to Jonah chapter 3 and verse 8, this is an incredible piece of scripture, particularly considering Jonah is an Old Testament prophet. He was really an individual of enormous insight, great depth of insight. Jonah chapter 3 verse 8. You know the story of Jonah. It's it's world famous. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone urgently call on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And look at this next part. Who knows? God may yet relent is the word in my version, the NIV. Repent is the word in other versions. And it goes by many... The Hebrew word is nacham. And it means to change your mind. It means that you were dedicated to a certain course of action... But now you're not going to do that. Who knows in in verse 9, chapter 3 of Jonah. Who knows? God may yet change his mind and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Now you begin to see a little bit of where where I, I, I would be coming from in terms of God says it, that settles it. Not necessarily. At the top of your notes there, remember the three categories that we mentioned last week. God's general word, which is what I want to explain this morning. It's the least understood one. God's conditional promises. And God's unconditional, pro- God's unconditional promises. Three very different things. I don't think we've got any problem with the second one or the third one. I think it's the first one that really ties us up in knots. The people in Scripture and the people today alive on the earth who succeed the most are the ones who... Understand the promises of God. Joshua. Joshua chapter 1. God gave him a promise and he went from success to success. Isaac, the son of promise. Joseph, the people in scripture and the people today on this earth who succeed the most are the ones who have a good grip on this. Who understand what a promise is and how to get one. And who understand what a promise is not. God says that that settles it. They understand when that doesn't apply, they know the difference. And it's greatly to Jonah's credit, really, that as an Old Testament guy here, he shows really great insight in understanding God. Look at me, please. Listen very carefully. You can read the book of Jonah a hundred times and still not get the point. The point is this. Listen, God speaks to Jonah. He's a prophet. And he says, go to Nineveh. And say to Nineveh, 40 days and I will destroy the city, right? And Jonah, Jonah knows that God is a good God. He's kind, we just read it. You're kind, you're compassionate. And Jonah turns to God and says, God, if I go there and I say 40 days and I'm going to wipe out the city, then you're going to change your mind. And then I'm going to be called a false prophet. And then they'll cut my head off. You're going to Nacham is the word he uses, the Hebrew word. God says that that settles it. That was obviously the way the people of Nineveh also would have seen it. But Jonah knew that God was a a good God and likely to turn, likely to listen to the cries of his people. There's always hope with God, folks. There's always hope with God. Many of you will remember Donley. Remember Donley. I love Donnelly. I think he was a great, great guy. I was very fond of him. He was one of those people who was funny and didn't know it, you know. He was great. He had several times when he severely challenged me and did not agree with me. And funny enough, it was concerning this issue. One Friday night, we're in here and the evangelism is due to happen on the Saturday. And somebody comes up to me and says, Pastor Mike, there's no evangelism tomorrow. Because we haven't got A, B, C, so it's not going to happen. Would you make an announcement? Yeah, no problem. So it's quiet, everybody. There's no evangelism tomorrow because A, B, C. Fine. I get down off this platform and someone else comes up and says, oh, hey, hang on. I can do A. They can do B. They can do, we can have evangelism. I thought, fantastic. So I jumped back up and said, H- hang on. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Changed our mind. There's going to be evangelism tomorrow. Everybody goes, yay, except Donnelly. <laughs> oh, he wasn't happy with it at all. I was shocked. I was surprised. And he came up, Pastor Mike, I've got a problem with this. Go, What's the problem? You, you said there's no evangelism. A pastor's word should be his word. You said there's no evangelism. And then you jump up and, and, and you completely changed it. I said, well, isn't it good that there's evangelism? Hello? Isn't that a good thing? Aren't you happy that we were able? He said, no, your word should be your word. That's just my general word. And then it happened again, actually. It happened in one of our meetings when we had a plan. And as things progressed, I became aware to me that there was a better way of doing things. And he blew it again. <laughs> And he waited till everybody was gone and he said, I've got a problem with this. You've done it again. I said, Donnelly, my friend, please listen to me. I will change my mind as often as I like. Do you understand? I will not be held accountable. I didn't promise you anything. Right? And if it is a better solution, then I am very happy to change my mind. In fact, another individual in this church a few years back, They really wanted something, and I was kind of stopping them from proceeding in that direction. And that person sat with me, and this is exactly what they said. They said, you promised me, and I remember stopping them right there. I said, excuse me, I never promised, oh yeah, okay, but you did say, yes, that's right. I said, that's all. I said that maybe this or that, but I never promised you anything. And this is my point. When it comes to inheriting these great and precious promises of God, you've got to begin where Jonah begins. And that's understanding what is a promise, how to get a promise, what is not a promise, the actual delineations within the prophetic and the Word of God. Are you with me? Okay. Now, This word nacham, it's at the top of your notes. It's a Hebrew word. It means to change your mind. There's over 300 references to this in the Old Testament where God has said he's going to do something and then he doesn't do it. So folks, please listen very carefully. This has two implications for me and two implications for you. Today, I could have a word from the Lord. I could have a prophecy spoken over me. This is what's going to happen to you. Might not might not happen. I might not fulfill the conditions. You see? I might not follow through, and it might not happen. But on the flip side of that, the other aspect of this truth, this Naham, is that when God has said no to you, when there's something that you desired in your life, a track, a path, whatever. And you know that you know that you know that God said no. It's not over. It's not over. Because who knows, Jonah says, verse 9, who knows? God may yet relent. God, that word is naha. God may yet repent, as it is in some versions, and change his mind and actually have compassion on you and listen to you. Now I want to show you three people in Scripture and I repeat my opening point. The people in Scripture who achieve the most, who receive the most, are the ones who really get this point. They know the difference. I'll prove it in a moment. The first, script, the first person who understands how to do this is in Matthew chapter 15. Turn there a moment. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 21. Famous Scripture. That, it's about the Canaanite woman. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer her a word. See that? She didn't have a word from the Lord. Okay? She didn't have a word from God. Jesus did not answer her a word. So his disciples came and urged him, send her away. (laughs) Not a good situation. Don't have a word from God and now everybody's telling you to go away as well. Send her away because she keeps on crying out after us. And he answers, he agrees with them really. Yes, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. But the woman didn't give up. She didn't take no for an answer. She believes in that nacham. She believes that she can change God's mind. Jesus has just said he's not interested. He's just said no. But the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And he replies again, a second time he says, no, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord. And she starts to appeal her case. Yes, Lord, she said. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She's appealing to the mercy of God. And look at verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. And he turned and he granted heard that request, do you understand that many of you have prayed for many things and maybe given up on certain things, and maybe you think well god's definitely said no, God's definitely shut the door on me on this issue, no point in asking again, no point in keeping on with that one, and that is exactly the opposite of what this woman did now i 've covered this many times in this church, but you know. Scripture does not say, Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. That is not what it says. May God help us with English. Okay? It's It's written in Greek, that particular passage of Scripture. And the Greek, you know, if it's read properly, says this, To he who knocks and keeps on knocking... That's the one I'm going to answer. To he who... It's the continuous present tense in the Greek. Okay? It's not a one-off asking. It's not, it's not casual. It's totally persistent and dedicated like this lady here who's coming back at Jesus, coming back to God, and he admires that. It says to he who seeks and doesn't stop seeking until they have found it, that's the person who will receive it. Right? So get that, I mean, have that mindset, because folks, that mindset is not in so many people's prayer lives. Friday prayer here was fantastic. Brother Everson had a, a word of God inside him. Amen. It was fantastic, a living word, and the living word in us produces living faith. In the book of James, it says this: that the fervent, effectual prayer, not just any old prayer, but the fervent, passionate. The fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But our prayer can so often not be like this lady who is aggressive. She is aggressive. She's going to be persistent. She's going to get that answer. Amen. What about you? What about you? What have you given up on? Seek it until you find it. But, you know, I have this picture in my mind. It's like, our prayer can be like a, a, a kid getting ready for school, you know. Their school bag is sitting on the floor beside their feet. And this, the, the child's just so lazy. Hey, Mom, I can't find my bag. <laughs> and the mom says, have you sought? Have you looked? Yeah, I looked everywhere. Can't find it. And that's what our prayer can be. God, not good. The, 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 the fervent and effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so should our prayer be. We need to understand that God expects us not to give up, right? But to keep on praying, keep on going after it. And I ask you, what have you given up on? By the way, just as a side note, this woman did not have a word from God. He didn't speak to her. Jesus answered her, not a word. And it's very important that you get it right when you don't have a word from God about something you want to do, something you want to be, or some path you're going to pursue. I've had many situations like that in my life. I take them very seriously. What do you do when you reach the silence of God? I had a certain individual in this church this morning, very early, to cry out to me about this. Help me deal with my silence. And I had to say to that brother, it is totally normal Your silence is normal. God's silence is not supposed to put you off. That's not what it's intended to do. It's not the point. You're missing the point. But I haven't had a word from God. Yeah, well, neither did she. The silence is not intended to put you off. It's not intended to turn you back when you haven't had a word. It's intended probably, you know, to make you most often a little bit maybe introspective. To look at yourself and... When I hit the silences of God, it's time for me to stop and think, well, okay, let's just look back a moment. Anything I need to put right? Okay. Tick. Let's just look at my present. Any attitudes that are not right in me at the moment? Tick. Let's look forward. I look back. I assess my present. I look forward. I should be, I should be hearing from God. I should be able to get that word, and I need to do, in this lady's case, it was humbling herself, but I need to be able to, to, to overcome all those issues, because God wants to talk, amen? God wants to speak to you all the time, all the time. It's a worrying thought, folks. It scares the living daylights out of me. It really does. Some of you don't hear from God. Some of you don't hear from God. Because you're too far away from him. And it's not good. Years ago, I was in a hurry. I went home in my apartment in Dublin. I had to rush out to teach at a meeting. And I literally sat down in my cozy chair, got into my apartment. I said, God, I need a word for tonight. I need to write it now and I need to go. What is your word? Boom. Instantly showed me a vision. And the vision was of the lips of Jesus Christ. Ooh. And, you know, I saw that vision and I got the interpretation both at the same time. And Jesus was saying to me, anyone who says they're following me should be near enough to hear me. And if they can't hear me, if they're coming to you, pastor, have you got a word for me? I can't stand that. Pastor, have you got a word for me? What's God saying to you about? What's wrong with your relationship? Where are you? Where are you? It is a crisis, a life that is not... He- a born-again Christian who is not hearing from God is dysfunctional. It's like driving with your hands off the steering wheel. Amen? Amen. I know I'm being blunt, but I'm being very honest. It's, I'm telling the truth, aren't I? Yes. Absolutely I'm telling the truth. If you're not hearing from God... I, I and Well, Jeanette knows I'm ruthless on this one. I can't handle it because uh, it's my work. I can't handle it. I have to hear. I have to know... That I'm 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 on the right road there, and I've still got that communication. Because without that, I'm done, I'm toast. And some of you, I think you you know not what you miss. So get your hearing back. She was not dissuaded or put off by that silence. What that silence does is it draws a lot of attitudes out of me. You know, maybe I'm impatient. (laughs) Maybe in my heart I'm saying, do you know what, God? I'm waiting on a word. If you don't speak, I'm going to do whatever I want. And maybe God wants me to discover that, that bad attitude, that bad way within me. And that's what his silence is for. His silence is a mechanism of actually getting into the wells of my character, my personality, and drawing out the dredge so that he can indeed speak. This woman is just—I think she's fantastic. The Canaanite woman, she she did what we what you may call an appeal. She appealed her case. I mentioned this a few months ago. It, it, it also bothers me that I know this or I hear when I speak with you, many of you, and counsel you that you don't do this. I have had many appeals to God. I have had made many appeals. You know? Do you know what an appeal is? It's like a court case. Go up in court, found guilty, 10 years in prison, and the convict says, I will appeal. I will appeal my case. I will go before God, and I will ask for, a bit like this lady. She's been told no. She makes an appeal, and I've made several appeals Uh, The the most dangerous one, I nearly got seven days in prison for it. I was in the the witness box for a drug addict in Dublin. Remember I told you, the fierce judge, terrible judge. Her name is Gillian Hussey and she was famous. She was a right little lord, I tell you, a king. She was notorious for being ruthless and she was going to lock this guy up and I got a little chance to speak, you know, but she was, she just said to me at one point, just quiet, quiet, and she was going for his sentence, you know. And I knew he was going down. And I knew that she's a hard judge. But there's humanity in there somewhere, isn't there? (laughs) So I decided to take a chance and speak up. And I said, with all due respect, and you could feel that court, you could feel the air in that court. You dare to speak? (laughs) You're going down. Seven days contempt of court, you know. She was ruthless. With all due respect, Your Honor, I also see drug addicts all day, every day, as part of my job. And I appeal to you on behalf of this man, because I know him well. And she let me go for about a minute, and she said, silence. Mm -hmm. And I look at my friend, (laughs) and he, he had told me, I go to prison. You know, Mike, I can't handle it. I can't handle it. And I knew him. I knew his mother well. And he was a good guy. He was a nice person, just got addicted to drugs. And I take a look over at him standing in that dock and I think, oh, God, help me. So I decided to have another go. <laughs> with all due, and attention, in fact, I remember a cop, a policeman, just began to take one step and he thought, you're going down, lad. You do not do that. I said, with all due respect, Your Honor, and I went on a little bit and that judge just said, this time, a little bit more quietly. Be quiet. And then there was a long period of silence a bit like God a long period where she's just sitting up there in her box and as I looked at her I lifted her hands and both wrists were bandaged and when I got outside well I'll finish the story she, she turned and said I'm going to let you go to the Colin, I'm going to let you go in his custody, and you will report back to me and to give a whole list of. I thought, yes, praise God. And I got outside, and Colin was over the moon. And I said, "Do you see her wrists? What's the story?" And he said, "She tried to kill herself." What? Judge Hussey? Yeah. Her son's a drug addict. A what? I didn't know. Her son's a drug addict. I didn't know that. And last week, it was all over the news. I didn't hear. She was depressed about her own son, and she tried to kill herself. That's what the bandages were. Oh, and there she is in the dock. I know somebody else who lost their son. And I know somebody else who has compassion as well. God, your father. I know someone else who has been hurt. And all I'm saying, folks, is you need to learn to appeal your case. And I'm not, I have not done this often. Maybe about, I was trying to remember, but maybe about seven or eight times in my life when there has been something of immense importance where I've had to go to God. Now, don't waste God's time, if you like. Don't play games with this, because for me, it's a very important thing. If I'm going to God like this lady, past has got to be right. The present has got to be right. So I, I need God to take me seriously. So that when I go into those cases and I'm appealing for someone, something, or us, or whatever, I know that I have a case. I know that I have a case. And I can present myself and say, God, I have done A, I have done B, and if there's anything outstanding, reveal it and I will do C too. But I am appealing to you, God. I'm appealing to you. You're a good God. I believe that you're a good God. Now, will you hear my case on this issue? And I've had several miracles just on that approach when the answer had originally been no. That's the first. They're all women, actually. The second lady with this same understanding is Mary. John chapter 2 and verse 1. Here we have the same Naham principle where God says No. And human beings manage to turn his heart or change his mind, if I can put it that way. That's a clumsy way of putting it, but it's a way that we can understand. By the way, folks, God's not an automaton, you know. He's a being. He's a living being. Made in, We're made in his image. And I changed my mind. I don't know about you, right? So don't be so surprised at this. He's a being. John chapter 2 and verse 1. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. In other words, it's a no, Mary. The answer is no. And then, this is fantastic, Mary doesn't even hesitate. His mother turns to the servants and says, Whatever he asks you to do, do that. She had total confidence that even though no, the answer was no, that the good nature of God would turn and work this situation some way so that it would become a yes. Amen. amen. The promises of God are yes and amen. We just need to know how to get to them, how to get into that place. So these women all overcome different things. In this case, in Mary's case, it's timing a timing issue. Now, timing is a, is a terrible thing. People get very impatient. I am a lot more patient now than I used to be. I used to be impatient like my dad, but I've learned t- today I think I'm very patient, incredibly patient, and that's something that I've grown into. I have become that. But there are many cases in Scripture where timing is needed. Remember Joshua, when he was gaining victory and he needed an extra day, what did he do? God make the sun stand still. Fantastic prayer. Awesome prayer. And God heard Joshua and gave him victory. Remember Hezekiah. Hezekiah was dying. He was running out of time. But Hezekiah, first word, remember, he appealed his case. He's already been sentenced to death by the prophet Isaiah. But Hezekiah understands how to appeal. What did he do? He turned to God and he reflected on his past. Remember God? How I have done this, that he had restored the, the word of God to Israel. Remember how, how I did this. Now remember me also at this moment. What did God do? 15 years. Fifteen years added to his life. And indeed with my own dad, I've told you before, very same story. Because uh, I, I had that scripture from when I was a child and I'd remembered it when my dad was also dying and I went before God on that. I understand, hey, people live and people die. We're all going to die. Okay it's not, not a problem I have no problem with death it's as natural as as birth but my problem with my dad was his age he was a young man and he had become very seriously ill he was bleeding so much but I got a- alone in my living room thank you jesus I got alone in our front room in our house and I got down on my knees and I appealed to god talking about how we were raised I said god look he's dying here He's been a good father, a good man. We always pray. We pray every night, God, we pray. He brings us together. Add those years to his life, God. And God heard that. And it was one of the happiest days of my life when I got a phone call from him. Do you know he lived another 20 years? 20 further years. Hallelujah. You can appeal the situation. Life is life and life will just take you, you know. You can get swept up in that if you don't cry out. (laughs) Appeal and state your case before a God who is incredibly good. And who knows, like Jonah says, who knows? He may turn and leave a blessing. He may turn and hear your cry. The third woman, probably the most famous of the three, is in Luke chapter 18. I believe Johann's preaching on this in the other building this morning. Luke chapter 18. This is probably the most famous one. The persistent widow. Verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Even when it seems finished. You should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God. This is not a good person. Nor cared about people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I do not fear God or care about what people think, yet because this widow keeps on bothering me, I will see that she gets justice or she's going to wear me out. Once again, someone who did not give in, who knew how to persist and persist and persist, I would be very interested in the cell groups this week to hear your, your feedback on this. I would love to hear what you think about these three women and how they achieved the goals that they achieved, how they received the miracles they received. For me, the common denominator is humility. They weren't ashamed. Imagine, imagine the Canaanite with the apostles being so proud to be you know, the apostles of Jesus Christ. And they're saying to this nobody who's from Canaan, Go away! Well, of course, she doesn't have any pride within her, does she? She just keeps on going because she wants that prize, right? Humility, brokenness, a, a brokenness within that if you value the prize, then the pride, pride will rob you, folks. Some of you right here in this room, you want things desperately, but you're too proud on Friday night to stand here and say it. Am I right? You better believe I'm right. Some of you are too proud to speak out to God. And that's one thing that these women were not. They overcame their pride. I I told you years and years ago when I first got saved and God told me to, to, to preach and I couldn't do it. And I knew a man in Cardiff who was very good at training and teaching and I made an appointment with him and he said he would give me a go and he took me to a school, he told me what he wanted me to do, he wanted me to write out what I was going to present in the school assembly and he would take me along and he would give me a chance. Well, I wrote my message, I went to the school, he, I remember, <laughs> I can see it now, he sat at the back, I delivered that message, he took me back to his house and he handed my message back and he said, do you know what? This is just not for some people, this line of work. And you know what I think you should do? Don't do this. Don't, don't, don't pursue preaching. It's just not what you are made to do. And I was devastated. So I took my notes and, OK, that's a shame. And I went home. What am I going to do now? Was my life gone? He just snuffed out my life then. I'm not taking that. You start to think, I don't have to take that. Do you know what I did? I rewrote my message. He said, I did this wrong, I did that wrong. Right? I rewrote it. And I went back, and he opened the door, and he saw me standing. Yeah? I said, I I wrote it again. (laughs) Can I have another go at it? And I remember his words. Do you know what he said to me? You don't care, do you? What did he mean by that? You don't care what I think of you. You don't care that you look like an idiot. You don't care that you've come back. Have you got any self-respect? I said, no, and here you are. No, on this issue, I don't have pride. That's right. On this issue, I don't care what I look like. I want the goal. I need you to teach me what you know, so I'm back again. I don't care what I look like. And that's the attitude that the persistent widow had. That's the attitude that broke through. That's the attitude that you need to be praying out loud with your brethren. Amen? Amen? To see God's hand move. They're the prayers He hears. These are the ones that made it to Scripture. These are the ones that got written down. So God's telling you something about our attitude in prayer being a prideful attitude, I believe. You see, the silence of God is a, it's a funny old thing. Shake hands, brother. Oh, go on, shake hands, go on. Oh, go on, go on, go on, oh, go, on go on. Oh, go on, go on. Oh, go on, you're going to play the game. Play the game. Go on, play the game, play the game, play the game. Thank you. See, funny thing, human nature, in the beginning you think there's no pride, but it's actually pride. It's pride that says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to try again. I'm not going to look like a fool. You think I'm an idiot? No. And we actually become like that with God. Could you put it up, please? Uh, We've seen this many times over the years. Uh, And you remember this. I absolutely love this. It's the best comic strip I've ever seen in my life. Not a comic fan. But I think for me, this has stuck with me all these years. I love the sentiment of this comic. I love the way God is portrayed within it because I think it's wholly accurate. When the world started man and God were really good friends and nothing got in the way of their relationship. But one day man decided that he couldn't care less and without thinking he threw something in the tube. And before long the friendship was broken because the tube was cluttered with all the rubbish. Next please. And God came. Look at God. Quite happy in one sense, to clean up my mess. Very willing to come to earth and deal with it. Next slide, please. So men crucified him. And he took all our sin. Last slide. And then he came back. He rose to life. And mankind... He's given up, he has. The man's given up. And if only he would look around... He thinks God's going to say no. That man there, (laughs) he thinks... It's a permanent no. He's given up hope, hope hopeless. He's hopeless. And what he really needs to do is get a grip on the good, good, good nature of God, right? If only he would look around, he would try again. Because God was smiling in the first slide and God is smiling in the last slide because he's a good God. But we, the ones we're the ones this is the tragedy of sin folks you know the tragedy of sin this is this is the tragedy god's been resurrected jesus is on the throne the tragedy's not in christ not today the tragedy is with you and me and us and humanity but god's heart is open god's hands are open to you today and all i'm all i'm asking you to do. Reflect on your life, your wishes, your dreams, because that's what promises often come by way of a dream. I have a, I don't mean a dream, dream, a a vision, a dream, a hope that something in me that I know I want to do or be or whatever. And that can be like God trying to draw you into your future, your purpose in life. I want you to go back to God. this I'm glad we're having communion today. It's a perfect time for us. I believe in a good, 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 good God. And I say this, guys. Gordon, if God the Father felt it a good price to pay to send Jesus Christ to be whipped, crucified for you, because he did, just you, nobody else. God Almighty for Jim. God the Father said, you know what? I'd give it for him. I would give my son for you. That's how much I want you. That's how much I want you in my kingdom. This is a good, good God. Amen? My point is, how much more, as Scripture says, how much more now will he graciously give us all things and it's a father's good pleasure to bless his children and see them advance God is for you not against you the problem is not God on that slide right the problem is that we give up hope get to a hopeless place and these three scriptures these three individuals they made it into the book to tell you when you get to that place you shouldn't be there There's always hope with God. We showed the movie to Helen back. I know I go on about it all the time, but I love that movie. I think it's great. Six people, their lives are over. They never got saved. They didn't turn to Jesus. And they, 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 they die. And he sends them back. He rescues them. And he sends them back into life. It's a fantastic film. Absolutely excellent. Just when they thought it was all over. Jesus was still there to save. But folks, what about your life this morning? I want you to make an assessment of yourself, but just before we have communion. And if you're not hearing from him personally, that's a problem. Maybe we need to look back. Sometimes not looking, you know, Paul says forgetting what lies behind, and that's fine, provided you've dealt with it. (laughs) provided you've dealt with all things of your past because God will make us also do that. It's called repentance. So I want you to think back over your life this morning and ask, God, is there anything in my past that I need to bring onto the blood? It's communion in a moment. Bring onto the blood of Jesus Christ and ask you to forgive me for so that I can have my hearing back. Is there anything in my present, God, of my attitudes, when you're silent, do I just go my own way or am I patient and willing to wait? And God, is there anything in my future that I'm missing that you want to speak a promise, speak a purpose into me this morning? In all things, we follow God's example. And God is a God who nacham, repents, turns it means, turns and changes and blesses. God, this morning we follow your example and turn heavenward dedicate our lives. We pray as we take communion, God, that you will wash us again fresh and clean and new and clear us out so we can hear the good and precious promises of our God.